what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. travelers and welcome once again to the uh post christmas post star wars hangover uh extravaganza episode of the before and after show i'm uh as always your host mj smith and the reason i said host instead of co-host is because cory tindall uh is taking some time off because talking about star wars for a month is real exhausting it turns out so uh he's taking a couple weeks off i could do it forever but uh i'm joined by mr john jonathan john john you can call me whatever you want (laughs) okay uh john cornell john cornell how's it going man good Uh, should we shake hands yeah okay so the audience at home can Can you listen can you guys hear this the shaking of hands great perfect Yeah. Um, good. How are you? Thanks been? for having me. Yeah, this is really exciting. Yeah, it's a long time coming. It's a dream come true. It's a long time coming. Getting yes. you on the show. Yes. I think we've been talking about this since the show started. <laughs> yes. Um, um, so thank you for being here. Yes, big fan. Uh, um, we're here to talk about uh, the Hateful Eight. But before we do that, is there anything you've been watching this week? I assume Star Wars is. Of something. course, everyone's seen. I actually, I went to Lancaster to go see Star Wars. In IMAX because oh, nice. that was before IMAX was here, right? In town, and yeah, it's 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 amazing. It's campy for people that that want to see Star Wars and like are have been waiting for a good Star Wars movie yeah. for you know what 30, 30 years at least yeah. since Jedi. Yeah, thirty two, thirty three, thirty two. But it's it's worth it. And then people that want to see Star Wars, it's going to be good. Yeah. And people hate Star Wars altogether, all and they're, they're not going to like the movie. Yeah, yeah. Just because it's it's what it is. But Jessica Jones on Netflix. Oh, how is it? It's pretty good. I haven't seen it yet. So, we haven't finished Daredevil yet, so I want to finish oh, Daredevil and then yes. start on Jessica Jones. So I I, I watched it without um, knowing anything. Oh, okay. And I was just like, uh, wait, uh, uh, <laughs> she, what? She, she's strong! <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, okay, good. Okay, so it's, it's going well, and, and it kind of boggles you down and goes in and uh i also watched a documentary um and it's pretty statistic but it's a dear zachary uh, oh man yeah wow and, and what's the premise is pretty much is the um this guy he everyone loves him and he ends up dating a 40 year old woman and she kills him and the, the his best friend was a filmmaker and he film makes, uh, he documents his life for his kid, which the forty-year-old crazy lady has, is pregnant with, and she doesn't get convicted, and it just goes crazy from there. And gosh, that movie, man! Yeah. I watched that once, and I don't know if I need to see it a second time. And w- with bringing this up, I watched that without watching any trailers. Mm-hmm. I watched Star Wars without watching any trailers. Phenomenal. It really? Was so good. You avoided all the trailers? Oh, I avoided it all. Wow. I, I watched a little bit of the teaser, but then, because that came out in mm-hmm. like April. Yeah, 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 And I was just like, okay, can't watch any of it. And my friend and I did the same thing. 
And I'm glad because I watched the trailer afterwards, mm-hmm. and like the the Chrome. Oh, the Captain Phasma. Yeah, she does. She's in that trailer. She does nothing in yeah, the movie. Yeah. Oops. Spoiler alert. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We spoiled the on the last episode. We spoiled it. Hopefully, you've seen the movie and listened to it by now. Um, I'm not really going to be caring about Star Wars spoilers on the show, <laughs> just so you know. Wait, so, um, we, so we ruined everything? Well, on the last episode, oh. we talked about everything in detail. So the way I see it, we've already talked at length oh. about the spoilers. Yeah. So it doesn't, like, in spoiling it in future episodes doesn't really exist to me. So, so. I guess you could say that Leia is riding Solo. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh, uh, that was bad. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, so yeah, Dear Zachary, what uh, I mean, it's the movie's a few years old, but it is worth checking out. Did you watch it on Netflix? I did. Yeah, Netflix. Yeah. yeah, I actually caught it weirdly on CNN. They aired it on <laughs> CNN. Yeah. And uh, man, yeah. that movie! Wow, that yeah. movie really caught me off guard. It's it's one of those it's one of those movies that that it's very surprising. It's hard to find a movie that you can't you. You don't see the twist coming. Yeah. Uh, another good movie is Old Boy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone should check that out. I w- recommend watching the Korean version yes. first. Yeah, I haven't um, seen the Spike Lee version. It's okay. It's yeah. Spike Lee. Spike Lee in, in himself, he does pretty well with with his um, his movies. But also, I feel like Spike Lee is also. I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, but racist. Oh, he's super like, racist. Yeah, yeah. He's I love told... Spike, but he's pretty racist. Yeah, yeah. And 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 he's he's a he's a uh, black guy that that hates other races. And she's yeah. like, oh, okay, well, yeah. Okay. I actually really kind of want to see his new movie, Chirac. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah. Like I, Samuel L. Jackson looks super good in the trailer for that movie. Yeah, I love that guy. Um, yeah, Spike is he's he's a good filmmaker. Uh, he's a bit of a loudmouth, but he's a good filmmaker. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And he, he's made some great movies. Oh, yeah. Like Miracle of St. Anna, that's a good movie. And it's about, Inside Man? Yes. I love that movie. Oh, it's a classic. That yeah. has a great twist to it. Have you been watching anything this week? Um, yeah, actually. I've been watching kind of a lot of stuff. I saw Star Wars the second time. And so, uh, just to get the elephant out of the room, um, in the episode... The official Star Wars episode, I said that the movie was frustratingly okay. I wasn't the biggest fan of the story. I loved all the characters. Seeing it a second time, I actually liked it quite a bit more. Um, Something that that happens in the movie is it's really, really fast. It goes by like that. And I was like, like, you can't settle into it. And that's kind of a problem, I think. But knowing what I knew going into it, I was able to settle into it. Mm -hmm. So I was able to pick up on more stuff. Yeah. And I liked it a bit more. I actually think that the visual storytelling in the movie is a lot stronger than I initially gave it credit for. Um, some things that I thought were obvious plot holes are actually covered up in the dialogue and I just didn't notice because everything was... There's such a momentum to the movie that it doesn't really... cover so much ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... And so it just... It covers a lot. And so it's kind of... I mean, I still kind of hate Starkiller Base and like I don't really... Like I'm over the super weapons in my Star Wars movies. But... As a whole, I actually do think it's much better than I initially gave it credit for. See, I, I felt the same way. It's like, oh, you just built a bigger Death Star. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Like, oh, man. But, you know, looking back at it, <laughs> Jedi wasn't that great either. I love that movie. That's Jedi, my favorite yeah, Star Wars movie. Jedi, Jedi is my favorite as well. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, well, what did they do? Oh, they just rebuilt It's another Death, Death Star. Star. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I, I could totally see... Um, just so many problems with with it and like them moving around so much mm-hmm. 
and then they're they're just trying to introduce the characters and then also Leia mm-hmm. no role she might she might as well not have been in the movie yeah that was just a waste of a of, of breath yeah give me Lando or give me nothing yeah I'm saying it right now um yeah so Star Wars was much better the second time I actually think I'm one viewing away from really really liking the movie a lot yeah um, I liked it more and I will change the, it from like okay to like pretty good actually but I think one more viewing, I'd be like, oh, I'm pretty on board with this, actually. <laughs> um, and then I saw, uh, I watched the first episode of the docuseries Making a Murderer oh, on okay. Netflix. Have you seen that? No. Oh, my gosh. It is the craziest. It's about this guy named Stephen Avery. And in 1985, he was convicted of sexual assault and put in jail for 32 years. No, well, okay. in 2004, it came to light, or in 2002, I guess it came to light, that he was actually framed for that sexual assault by the police of the county he lives in. And so DNA evidence exonerated him from that, oh. and they had to release him. Well, in 2004, he got out He got out in 2003. 2004, he sued the county and the people who uh, framed him. Mm-hmm. And then they reframed him for murder. And he went back to jail. And I actually don't know how the story ends up. Um, it's it's a real life story. It's 10 episodes on Netflix. We've only watched the first episode. But it's crazy to oh, think that this gosh. happened. Not just in real life, but like this, like in the 2000s, this yeah. happened. Like in 2004, he got framed. Yeah. Uh, a second time. And so and it's funny because people, it's it's real life. Like you, you know, you could actually go interview him. Like, yeah, yeah. He's still in jail. Yeah, that, I, that you know of. Yeah, that I yeah. know of. He may have gotten exonerated because of That's this, crazy. like the stuff they filmed. Because they've been filming it. I think, I think initially they were like, because they've been filming it for ten years. So I think initially they were filming it about him suing the county, and then he got convicted of murder, and then it became this whole new story. Um, That's so crazy. It's oh, wow. really yeah. frustrating to watch. And just like, I, the, wow. The yeah. corruption in this county's police department is unparalleled. Like, they, one of the things they did is instead of taking a description from the victim, they took his mugshot specifically and that's what they used to draw the composite drawing. <laughs> and then showed it to the victim and she was like, she was like, they were like, is this what it looks, is this what he looked like? And she was like, yeah. And then they showed her like nine different mugshots and she chose that guy's mugshot because obviously she would have because right. they used that as the reference. Right. Man. And that's not, that's like near the bottom of the list of the crazy injustice that this guy had to suffer. It's awful. Um, but it's really compelling to watch. It's just really like, yeah. frustrating and hard. Because, like, in a sense, we're always bent towards, like, we don't want to see people get wrong. Yeah. And and all that, we want justice. And so, like, when yeah. you see something, not justice not getting served, it's probably very frustrating. Yes. But nail-biting. Yeah, it's. Least. I mean, it makes for really compelling uh, cool. docuseries. And then um, I saw probably my favorite movie of the year. Uh, on friday gosh. on thursday on wednesday on wednesday night i saw Adrian. i saw creed <laughs> have you uh, seen it no i haven't it's so I good uh, i can't talk any i can't i guess i can't talk bad but it's just i feel the world is done 
with Rocky. No, no, we are not. The world no, we're not. is done. It's the best movie of the year. It's the best movie uh, I've seen this year without a shadow of a doubt. I'm seeing it again tomorrow. Without giving anything away, what's what's what what why is it? Um, I think it's because it works for uh, man, there's so many reasons why this movie works. Um, I think it really First off what it does is it's not Rocky's story anymore. It's definitely um, Apollo Creed's son is who the movie follows and they make it his story. Rocky happens to be a player in that story because his dad was best friends with Rocky Balboa. I assume Rocky becomes a trainer. Yeah, and Rocky becomes the new Mickey. Um, but this is this is the story of Adonis Creed through and through. Um and so I think the screenwriting, the script is incredible. The way they write it, um, it, it just works on every level. Um, the way Ryan Coogler, who directed the movie, and Aaron Covington, his writing partner, wrote this movie together. And they just understand how a story works. Like, the way the story, like, on just a mechanical level, works um, the entire time. And then the way he kind of marries the idea that you know a film is visual so it, he shows us and he doesn't tell us a lot mm, of stuff so we, yeah so we see a yeah. lot of stuff and just there's like really cool visual storytelling in this like they show um that one of the themes is that adonis creed doesn't really like being associated with his father um maybe it's because he's an illegitimate child from apollo creed but he just kind of doesn't really like that legacy even though he loves boxing, he doesn't really... He's, he goes by uh, Donnie Johnson instead of Adonis Creed. And there's this one scene at the very beginning of the movie where he's in the big Apollo Creed mansion. And he's got this projector behind him. And he puts on the second fight between Rocky and Apollo Creed. And he puts it on this big projector. And he starts shadow boxing. Well the movements he's following are Rocky's movements. They're not his father's movements. So it's just like this like really cool visual cue that shows you like he's at odds with his own legacy. And so by him mimicking Rocky's moves, he's saying, no, I'm on Rocky's side on this. Like I'm fighting my father and his legacy. Wow. It's yeah. really, really cool. I, if, if anything, I, I really appreciate that. That if you're gonna make a sequel or a remake or anything, that's the way you do it. Absolutely. That, that there's no other way. Same way with like J.J. Abrams. I'm not a big Star Trek fan, but mm. like when they made the new Star Trek, that was the only way that yeah. they could make one. Yeah. That, there's no other way that because people were like, oh, it's kind of it is a cop out because it's an alternate universe, but it's like, hey, that's the only way you could uh, could have done this with recasting. Yes. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, and so that's kind of cool to 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 think about it. I still stick with my guns that the the world does not need another Rocky, but just because I I guess they put a bad taste in my mouth with what is there is there five is there's there five? six Rocky movies like there's five like Rocky five and then it goes to Rocky Rocky, Rocky Balboa, Balboa. Yeah. right yeah so yeah. six all together yeah but it's just eh. which I never saw Rocky Balboa uh, uh, that one was actually okay yeah that's what I heard but again it was it was Stallone doing his hey, yeah, yeah, yeah I have a facial reconstruction <laughs> um, <laughs> trying to do things yeah no Creed is, is Stallone's super good in Creed it's the most acting I've seen him do in like that's 20 great. years that's um, great he's really good in it I think he 
I think he might have a legitimate shot at an Oscar nomination. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know if he'll get a win, but I think he has a legitimate shot at a nomination. I, I, I loved this movie. I think he should just get. No- Did he ever get a nomination before for the other ones? I think he got. I think he got nominated for the first one. I don't know if he oh, won. Okay. The first one won Best Picture the year it came out. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. I think this one needs to win Best Picture this year, yeah. but I don't... We'll see if it gets nominated. It's yeah. pretty well-reviewed. It's got a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's great. Um, but I I just loved this movie. I could watch it. Like That movie ended, and I was like, that could just start over, and I would sit through it again. That's I wanted cool. to see it again the next day. Cool. I tried to convince my wife to go see it on Christmas Day when we went to the movies. I was like, let's go see Creed. And she was like, you're seeing Creed on Tuesday with your brother. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'll see it three times. Um, I just I, There's something about this movie that like connected with me at the right moment. I don't know what it was. But Do you know why you didn't see the other one? Because I saw Star Wars. Because the Force was awakening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back to uh, talk about The Hateful Eight and uh, Quentin Tarantino in general. And we're back. Can I flush the toilet first, or oh, 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 and we're back. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, yes, you may. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, go for it. We'll wait. <laughs> Good Foley anyway. work. Good Foley work. <laughs> Um, so we're here, uh, not to talk about what we've been watching this week, but to talk about what we will be watching this weekend, and that is Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. And I think before we get into that, we would be doing a disservice to, uh, I think, film fandom and, uh, Quentin Tarantino in general without talking about his legacy. Oh, yeah. Um, he's been in this business 22 years or something now. Uh, this is only the eighth film he's ever made. Yeah. Uh, um, I, when, when they show that in the trailer, you kind of go like, wait a minute. No, no, this can't be... Tr- well, I guess... I feel like we've gotten one every other year. Yeah. But it doesn't... Like, yeah, we yeah. haven't. He took a really long break between Jackie Brown and Kill Bill. Yeah. Um, so, I I mean, I'm I'm a huge Tarantino fan. I don't know where you uh, stand. I, I am, too. Um, uh, it's kind of like one of those forbidden things when you're watching growing up and like you see Kill Bill and you kind of go like, oh, you know, oh my gosh, like this is great. And then you really want to see more of it. Mm-hmm. And then once you finally get to see them on DVD uh, and see the whole entirety, wow, it's it's incredible. And then once you watch it again and again, you see little hints in it. Um, uh, it's not. This was really before IMDb and smartphones, and where yeah. you can really check it out. But like, I was the first one to find out that uh, Samuel L. Jackson's in in Kill Bill, and people. Were oh like, yeah. No, he's not. And it's like, hey, that guy. See that bald guy? That's him. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, he's the piano player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, um, you know, there's other little small things like um, the the underneath her shoes when she's walking. It says a message. Uh, inappropriate it says oh, f you but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but it's like oh that's kind of cool so, oh that's right that's right and it's kind of cool. and there's just like little hints of everything um not i i would say that like man uh grindhouse is pretty good he kind of opened me up to new adventures and new uh 
forms because like I didn't grow up with B movies. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, and I actually agree. Um, Pulp Fiction is kind of the movie that started me down this path. Um, yeah. I saw Pulp Fiction at the perfect age to see Pulp Fiction. And that is uh, before you're technically allowed to see Pulp Fiction, but also when you're old enough to still be able to handle it. I saw it when I was 16. Uh, <laughs> technically by the rating, you're supposed to wait till 17, but I had the internet and torrents. And um, and one of the first things I, I, I uh, downloaded not so legally was Pulp Fiction because it's one of those movies you kind of always hear about. And so I downloaded Pulp Fiction and it was right around the time Kill Bill was getting ready to come out. Um and I watched it, and I was like, what is this movie? Like, I'd never seen anything close to that movie before. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, what is it? Like, there are other movies like this? There are other things out there that are that are like this movie? I have to see all of them. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that led me down such a crazy path. Um, and eventually into almost film noir and... and um, you know, obviously the rest of his canon with Reservoir Dogs and Jackie Brown at the time. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, I think he's opened, I think he's done that for almost every generation of high schoolers that has come along. Yeah. Um, it seems Uh, like about every four years he like hits the new generation of kids coming up. He he does. He he really does. I like that he's free spirit, um, and wanting to, to express himself about movies. Um, I know he was in, in deep water and dark water about, um, Kill Bill and about violence. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, that was a big deal. And you can watch some nasty YouTube videos where he gets violent with some people, but it, it, he he loves movies, and mm. it's an art piece. And he he really is an artist uh, in the sense of that, where he cares about the movie. And he could care less that uh, about selling tickets, as we see uh, with The Hateful Eight. Yeah. Uh, doesn't care about, like... Um, selling tickets, he, he he wanted to film it not in digital, but it was is it seventy? In, well, sixty five millimeter converted to seventy. Yeah, and that that's insane. Yeah, that and like to to demand that and be like, hey, I'm gonna make this movie, and you guys are gonna fund it and whatnot, and it's gonna be phenomenal, and it it's it probably will be. Like I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, I mean the the guy. You know, he eats, lives, breathes, and sleeps movies, you know? Um, I think he's borderline autistic, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, he he just kind of gives off that vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I, I just, I've heard long form interviews with him and it just seems like he's really bad at picking up social cues or he doesn't give a crap, but I think he's really bad at yeah. picking them up. I, I, but don't you feel like an artist? Don't you feel that, that like the, um, the, the, what's, what's the famous painter's name that, that did the Campbell, uh, suits? Warhol? Warhol. Don't you feel kind of like that weird awkwardness? Yeah. With, with Tarantino and, and someone that's so famous to actually have a form of filming named after him you know that let's tarantino in the sub you yeah. start from the middle throw some stuff in and like get to the end and then we'll go back to the beginning yeah at some that point. super non-linear structure that oh. i mean even paved the way for guys like christopher nolan doing memento yeah you know yeah, very um, true i mean uh reservoir dogs and pulp fiction both have a non-linear narrative and they came out about uh 10 years before memento comes yeah. out and, and we we kind of expect that even uh inglorious bastards have that Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so did Kill Bill. Yeah. Um, and Tarantino's style of filmmaking is, you know, a guy, a guy we talk about a lot on the show uh, is Steven Spielberg. He's had um, 
either his hands in or he's directed a few movies since the show has started. This is the first Tarantino movie to come out since I've had the show. And probably my top three favorite directors of all time are Spielberg, Tarantino, and Martin Scorsese in no mm. particular order. Uh, and those are three very different styles of filmmaking. Um, That's the- <laughs> Spielberg wants you... Spielberg's very honest. He's very earnest. He wants you to um, feel the emotions that his characters are feeling. Uh, Scorsese, he's, he's, he's also very honest, but he's very, um, expressionist and he wants you to know you're watching a movie. Mm -hmm. Spielberg wants you to live in the world he's creating. Scorsese wants you to live in the theater. Uh, Tarantino doesn't just want you to live in the theater. He demands that you live in the theater. He is completely dishonest, uh, in, in his style of filmmaking. I think he's very honest when you hear him in an interview, but his, his, his style of filmmaking is very, um, phony looking yeah like you're very very aware you're watching a movie when you're watching a tarantino movie and he goes out of his way to show you that you're watching a movie and then he doesn't glorify real life like mm. it's it's all fake you know it's fake you know everything's going down yeah like, it's really wacky yeah it is but it, it's entertaining oh it's, it's so entertaining in the, in, in the same sense of that and so it's 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 amazing that, that yeah. he can pull it off yeah, and I mean, in any in the hands of and we've seen it in the hands of anyone else, this Tarantino style of filmmaking does not work. The same way in the hands of almost anyone else, this Spielberg style of filmmaking does not work. The Scorsese style of filmmaking does not work. They're so specific to those three guys that uh, you know no one has an ear for dialogue the way Tarantino does. I mean, just some of the most iconic lines yes. that I've yeah. ever heard in a movie are yeah. in Tarantino movies. Mm-hmm. Um, iconic characters. He loves characters and like he writes these crazy like huge backstories for them that never make it to the movie. They may not even make it to the actor. Right. But he loves building and constructing these worlds. And you're you're okay with listening to the dialogue because oh yeah, it's it's worth it. Like it it's building character. He actually is worth your time to understand the characters and to get to learn and know about them. And it helps out later on the movie because it explains everything. Yeah, and it lends itself to being rewatched. The uh-huh. rewatchability of a Tarantino movie is extremely high. Yes, very. I, I agree with that. I feel like I pick up on something new on every single one of his movies every time I watch it. Now, before you watching the trailer for The Hateful Eight, mm-hmm. did you ever think that it was going to be like a, the, a, you know, Seven Samurai? Like a remake of that? Um, I mean, I wasn't... No, I, I didn't. I kind of had a feeling because, like, before I I heard, I knew what it was, mm. and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be kind of like you know, Western, uh, um, Seven Samurai." Blah, right. Blah, blah. Well, I mean, the Magnificent Seven, yeah, yeah. which is the movie yeah, that yeah, it's exactly. a parody of that title, yeah. even the Hateful Eight, the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's adjective number, um, <laughs> and a Western, and the Magnificent Seven is the Western version of Seven Samurai. So this is his riff on that. So right. he's building off not only the legacy of Kurosawa and Seven Samurai, but the legacy of The Magnificent Seven. And then it just I, it's going to be very interesting to see because it's also um, each character has their role, kind of like English Bast- Bastards. They all had their role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, oh, you know, the Jew bear, blah, blah, blah. And they do this thing the same way like in the beginning of the trailer. It kind of goes like, you know the sheriff oh the hangman the bounty hunter yeah Uh, and it's gonna be like okay yeah so Uh, before we get into like talking about the movie proper do you have a favorite tarantino movie oh man um it it's still it's still between i i'm gonna i'm gonna go and just say kill bill one okay volume one yeah um the movie's so good sorry uh two is is great 
you can't really watch one. You can't watch just one of them. Like yeah. you, you have to like both of them at some point. Yeah. But like one, just it it's still magical. And it's the same thing with like um, any movie before the prequel ends and whatnot, and because you don't you don't have a crappy ending, and mm. usually endings aren't as great. But like the first one was amazing, just to see the the crazy eighty eight fight. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. That's that's great. What about you? Do you have a favorite? I think it's got to be Pulp Fiction, just because that was my intro. Yeah, that was my intro to him. That's what I mean. I think more than any other movie, I have movies that I like more than this movie. But I think, as far as setting me on the path to this show existing, uh, Pulp Fiction had the biggest impact on me. And that's that's a classic. Yes, yeah. and it's in pop culture now. Oh yeah, too. like they're all pop pulp, uh, you know, pop, pop culture. culture yeah. But still yeah i think it's 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 that one or i really like inglorious bastards i've been watching all of his movies leading up to this yeah and uh we watched inglorious bastards like two weeks ago and i think i think inglorious bastards is his best movie but i think pulp fiction is my favorite movie of his um okay i mean you saw i'm sure when you walked in i have an inglorious bastards poster in our living room oh gosh (laughs) um and I, I don't know. I really like you that. Didn't, movie you didn't walk me in through the front door. You walked me into the dungeon. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. I <laughs> forgot. Uh, I'll show you on your way out. No, I won't. <laughs> um, if you find this, come help me. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, he eight, and one of the things I love about Tarantino is every movie he does, it seems like all roads have led to this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Um, Pulp Fiction feels like the natural progression from Reservoir Dogs, and we so keep, on. And we so keep forth. on not like there. I, there's so many that we haven't even mentioned. Yeah, because like um, Jackie Brown, uh, and then Django. Oh yeah, Django. You forget about that. Yeah, yeah. And so there's some there's some good ones, and like I, there, I know there's more. I can't think of. Well, it. there's Death Proof from the Grindhouse yes. level feature, which yes. I people crap on that movie, and I love that movie. It's too talky, and I get that. But that car chase at the end is so cool. It's not bad. I, I really do like it. I like more. Um, what's what's the other one? Planet Terror. Yeah. The Robert Rodriguez one. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's in it, and like it really, it has such Tarantino style of it. So yeah. It's just like, okay, and then like that's honestly, I love zombie movies, and that's not a bad zombie. It's movie. pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, I like both the movies that are a part of the Grindhouse double feature. Right. I remember being. So excited for that. Um, and just like, I think it was like what you were saying, like Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino, like do not give an F. Like they, they're yes. just like, whatever, like yes. we're going to go make this like weird seventies grindhouse movie. And we're going to like, it's going to be three hours long. And I'm like, Robert Rodriguez is going to direct the first half. And it's going to be this like crazy zombie movie with like a stripper that has like a machine gun for a leg. And then, mm-hmm. We're going to, like, take this intermission, but it's not really going to be an intermission, and we're going to, like, show, like, trailers for fake movies that don't exist yet. That will become real movies. That will I'm become real movies. looking at you, movies. Machete. Yeah. And um, uh, the guy who directed Shaun of the Dead is going to direct one, and Eli Roth's going to direct one, and Rob Zombie's going to direct one, and they're all going to be, like, super weird and crazy. And then we're going to show this, like, hour and a half movie about, like, cars and, like, the serial killer who, like, kills women using his car, and it's Kurt Russell, and he's, like, super B.A., and... Like, Which, that movie, like, I don't know how they got that funded, because if I went into a studio office right now and pitched what I just said here on the podcast, they'd be like, get out. And I saw um, that They would movie. say, it's already been done. Well, <laughs> yeah, well yes, yes. Um, but I saw that movie the second day it came out. Um, I was on a cane, because I had uh, 
busted my ankle. I sprained my ankle really bad and I was on a cane. And it was me and three other people the second day this movie came out. Oh, boy. And two of the people walked out after the first movie because they thought it was over. (laughs) So it didn't work. It didn't work at all. That movie tanked so hard. That movie tanked so bad that they ended up splitting the movies in two. Yes. And when they came out on DVD... They released them as separate movies, and they took the trailers out of them completely. It wasn't until they got a Blu-ray treatment that they released the entire experience as one. I didn't know that. I always watched it. Um, actually, you know what? I watched it. I watched it with the trailers at the beginning. Of oh, okay. Planet uh, Terror. So yeah. Planet Terror. The way it was set up when I saw it in the theater, and the way it's set up on the Blu-ray is it's it's the Machete trailer, Planet Terror, um, an ad for. A taco place, a fake taco place, uh, fake three fake trailers, and then Death Proof. Yeah, um, that's crazy. Yeah, so they they removed the three fake trailers from the middle entirely oh, when it came sucks. out on DVD, and Actually, they restored them for the Blu-ray. Yeah, I probably haven't seen that then. Yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate. That's something to to look forward to that and you go find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up. I didn't even know that they had released it on Blu-ray. It got a really quiet release. The only reason I found out is because I was at an FYE on Black Friday. And it said Grindhouse, the complete experience. And I was like, they released this? I can't believe they released this. And I bought it. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. Was, with that being said, Kurt Russell. Isn't that great to see him in, in another movie? Oh, man. Yeah, I love Kurt Samuel Russell. Samuel Jackson. We've seen him yeah, already. Yeah. But, but still, Kurt Russell. And then uh, who's the new guy that he's been in uh, Django and Glorious Bastards? Uh, he's a, he's Christoph know, Waltz? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He, he does. What a find on that guy. Yes. Man. Exactly. Uh, I don't know if you saw Spectre, but... I haven't seen it yet. I think he's actually criminally underused in not Tarantino movies. Okay. Um, I don't think anyone else knows how to like write to that guy's strengths. And Tarantino knows how... Oh, how... he's so good. He is. He really is. Yeah. Um, and he does the best with what he's given in Spectre, but I I've, I mean, he's so much better in Tarantino movies. Um, Agreed. I mean, Tim Roth. I don't know if you know... Yeah. Uh, from lie to me and he's the he's, he's the british guy at the beginning of pulp fiction oh yeah um i love tim roth and yeah. pulp fiction like made me discover him and that's the opening scene of the movie um right is him and, and that redheaded amanda Plummer girl yeah talking about like how they're done knocking over banks and liquor stores they're gonna start yeah. robbing restaurants and then it you know, um, she stands on the table and like yells at the crowd, and then it's like the Mr. Lou theme kicks in, and then we follow. Uh, be cool, Travolta. baby. Yeah, just be cool. Yeah, uh, Tim Roth. Like that was my first introduction to Tim Roth, and I was like, "Who is this guy? He's great!" And I oh, like, yeah. I love Tim Roth, and he's uh, he's just just a guy that I've followed since I've seen Pulp Fiction. Like Tarantino's opened the door to so many people for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Harvey Keitel, Steve Buscemi. Um, even because Buscemi's in Reservoir Dogs and he's amazing in that movie. He's Uh, so good. Steve Buscemi is a good actor. Yeah. He really is. Weirdo and and crazy but still pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I actually do like, and don't don't hit me, but I actually do like Michael Bay's movie The Island. Oh, I love that movie. And he's he's in it and it's just so, it's hilarious and he does a good job. Yeah. I actually, that's one of my favorite Michael Bay movies. Oh, me too. Um, So, I mean, that's the lead up to sort of Hateful Eight in a nutshell. Um, so headed into this movie, what are you expecting? Um, I, you know, the the cast, obviously we just talked about it a little bit, but, you know, there's some people that we know. Uh, I can't think of the guy, but the, the sheriff-looking guy, he, he's um, 
He's from Justified. Walton Goggins. He does pretty. He's a good actor a good with that. Actor. Um, the the lady have the the one that's the criminal Jennifer Jason Leigh. Don't know her very well. She was a big star in the nineties. Oh okay. Yeah. So so this is gonna be kind of interesting. Um, again, I I want to stress that I kind of hate watching trailers nowadays, mm-hmm. just because. In, during the trailer, there there's Samuel Jackson shooting somebody. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the ca- cast members, probably because because I wasn't watching. And I was like, well, that kind of ruins it. Because so, so they're shooting each other up close. So one of them's gonna die. Yeah. So we already know what one's gonna die. And it's like, well, that just ruined it. So I, I kind of wish I didn't, but you kind of have to watch trailers because if you don't, then you, no one would ever go see a, a movie. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Unless it, just besides name recognition. Yeah, like Star Wars. Like yeah. I don't think they like I think. J.J. Abrams could have been like, we're not doing any trailers for Star Wars, and everyone People would have been like, that's fine. Episode one, the t- trailer was a pod racer zooming past the camera going like, Star Wars! <laughs> and then that's all it was. And people were like, oh, it's going to be a great movie. Yeah. And then that's, and people would go out and see it. And, yeah. and, it, and people did. Yeah. For what it is. Yeah, I mean, I you there are certain movies you don't have to advertise to me. A Quentin yeah. Tarantino movie is one of them. Yeah, yeah. It's very I, true. I don't need a trailer. Like, all you have to do is give me, like, that name and a date, and I'll be there. I'm expecting for the movie to, um, just to be unique. Uh, they, they did some great filming. Great, I did, did some research into it, and, like, they, they went into a refrigerator yeah they refrigerated the set to 25 degrees excuse me a freezer pretty much yeah and and it's just like this is gonna be interesting it's gonna be crazy um the story is probably gonna be nothing i can't even think of what it is you you know they're all cooped up together in a in a bar yeah a hotel and haberdashery um we we just know that she's probably not gonna make it to their journey they're not gonna make it to the journey we know that that's gonna happen so it's going to be interesting. It's such a great premise that you, we, you can't predict it. You just yeah. can't. You just can't predict it. Yeah. Um, I wonder if this is going to be one I'm going to have to see twice just because I'm geeking out so bad over the technical aspects yeah. of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned the refrigerated set. He shot it on 65 millimeter. He's went out of his way to have a hundred theaters retrofitted with 70 millimeter projectors. Um, so that they can project this movie on 70 millimeter film um to the point and 70 millimeter 70 millimeter film is a rarity now um i think tarantino's bringing it back in a big big way um just today came the announcement that christopher nolan is working on his next movie and it's called dunkirk and it's going to be a world world war ii movie about um the evacuation of dunkirk Wow, and okay. he's shooting it on 65 millimeter yeah. for 70 millimeter. Go figure. Yep. Um, that's it's cool. Uh, I agree. And you know, again, this whole podcast so far has all been about artwork and mm-hmm. about respecting the the what it is, what film is, and it is a form of art. And um, being an artist that like they are, they don't care. Yeah. They don't care what other people think because the art is for themselves. And for others, and it's mainly about their expression yeah. and expressing how they feel, how um, things are, and it's, it's kind of the whole epitome of being an adult is kind of holding on to your childhood yeah. and trying to trying to grasp it, trying to grasp the innocence again, and they're trying to grasp the innocence and the the want of them as as a kid having the seven millimeter, you know, yeah. having that, having the old school movies, yeah, and so. I mean, he's shooting on lenses that haven't been used in 45 years. Like, the lenses for the cameras yeah. are 45 that, years old. That's so... The, 
the last movie he shot on the last movie that was shot on them was called Cartoon, I think. Cara Cartoon. And it was this like big um sword and sandal epic, like uh Ben Hur or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And that it was shot on those uh Panavision lenses and they're still in great shape because they're made out of glass. Most lenses now are made out of plastic and they crack really easily. And so the only thing they had to do was they had to figure out how to fit this lens on a modern camera. But that was it. Um, well, I could have helped him with that. And anyone who got some duct tape? <laughs> yeah. And so Tarantino uh, brought that back. Know why? Because the next Star Wars movie, Rogue One, is being shot on those lenses. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Yep, uh, I don't remember the director. Yeah. Uh, Technically, that's not the new, that's that's gonna be a spinoff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The next, uh, the I guess the first Star Wars spinoff movie or prequel or okay. whatever. I don't um, know how I feel about that. We'll say that for another time. But, yeah. yeah. Um. So, but that's being shot on those lenses that shot Karatoom and the that's, Hateful Eight. That's great. And, yeah, it's bringing know, it back, and it's a new form of it. And for being a uh, industry where within the last gosh 10 years have been nothing but garbage and sequels mm-hmm. and a comic book comic book movies which are great but it's yeah. also nothing you know no one's trying to reinvent the wheel and technically this isn't reinventing but it's just kind of looking at a different perspective yeah and i mean so. even this movie started out as a sequel this oh. was going to be a sequel to Django Unchained. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And then isn't it taking... Oh, it's it's taking the same place in the same universe, technically. Yeah. 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 Um, but what happened is, I guess everyone's, like, really crappy in this movie. Like, just, like, a really, like, foul person. And Tarantino started writing it, and he was like, Django's too good of a character to be with these people. And so he would just be like, you all suck and kill them all and go about his day. And so uh, he like wrote Django out of it and just left these like kind of villainous people. Yeah. And that's kind of all I know about the characters is they're all kind of not that great a person. Yeah. Um, and so I know that the movie has to do with... Uh, I kind of almost feel like in a way it's um, a Western clue, if you will. Yeah. They're yeah, all yeah. trapped in this place. They're all something something bad's gonna happen and there's there's a killer on the loose someone's gonna die people are gonna die yeah that's uh based on what i know you nailed it that's exactly will they get out will they not Uh, who knows and go see the movie yeah well it's also western (laughs) yeah reservoir dogs oh that's exactly right you know yeah yeah um to the point where he's got tim roth in this movie tim roth's in reservoir dogs He's the main character in Reservoir Dogs. Uh, he's the undercover cop. Now, here's my thing. Do you think that he's going to do his classic Tarantino? Is he going to start from the, from the middle and work work around it? Um, I don't or know. Is it going to be from the beginning? I don't know, because Django, Django started from the beginning. It did. That one was one well, of the only linear yeah. movies he's done, or yeah. close to linear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess. guess you could say it, it, start, it did start from the beginning because it, it didn't go too far back but yeah because like, there was some backstory and that was it yeah there's some backstory yeah. but it starts with like christoph waltz getting Django off the chain gang um and then it goes from there so i don't know it's interesting like we're in a really interesting period of tarantino's career yeah um he's getting it seems like he's getting more disillusioned with the filmmaking process um he said before that he wants to make 10 movies and then he's done uh and then he's just gonna write plays and uh novels after that um he owns a theater in la the new beverly and the new Be- oh. the new beverly their whole thing is we only screen movies in 35 millimeter film uh we will not put a digital projector in here as long as i own it he even got some of his favorite movies from 2015 
specially printed on 35 millimeter so he could show them at his theater he cool. got the Kingsman Secret Service and Mad Max Fury Road both specially printed for his theater to screen them this year. Kingsman, great. Um, Fury Road, eh. I love that movie. I love both <laughs> of those movies, actually. Um, and he, like, he goes through and he, like, programs all these, like, weird double features because uh, he gets to decide what movies oh, he shows. that's amazing. And so... So, so he, has it, he has it made in the shade. Yeah. Uh, which sucks because he's such a great artist and... I I love it because I I also see this in Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford took his time. Uh, he wanted to be famous. Finally got noticed, and then started hating the characters that yeah. he got famous for. And then somehow mid midway through the two thousand, someone slapped him in, in his face, saying like, "Hey, you're an artist in a way, yeah. and what you what you're doing is art. Not you 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 think of it as a job, but technically." You know, this is what made you famous. This is what makes you light. You know, and then he realized, oh, well, I should do the things that are, I'm famous for, and yeah. I actually are am supposed to be doing because it's it's an art form. Yeah, that's why you try to redo Indiana Jones, which is awful. Yeah, and Star Wars, but um, which he killed it in that movie. so yeah. that's fine. That's yeah, great. Um, yeah, and I just think Tarantino like picks really smart people to work with. He's really smart about who he casts. And so I'm, like, super excited for Kurt Russell to be in a Tarantino movie yeah. again. Oh, yeah. I love Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell's, uh, especially, like, Western Kurt Russell. Tombstone is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. Agreed. I love it's, that movie. It's so a classic. Um, and so I'm just, like, I'm just really stoked on that. Like, the, my expectations are that it's going to be, like, pretty incredible. Um, and that's about it, man. Like, I, it's almost hard to do an episode on this movie because it's just, like, I'm just stoked for it. Like, yeah. because of who's involved. I don't really need to know much else. I don't really... Like, my expectations are already through the roof. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like the reviews are getting in and it's like kind of middle of the road. And I think it's like this like weird Tarantino thing where people don't really know how to read Tarantino movies the first time they see them. They always... Like, it always takes a couple tries. You're right. With a Tarantino movie. I was going to go see it no matter what. Yeah. Even if if it was going to be totally crap <laughs> yeah i don't think he has a bad movie though yeah. like i like all eight of his movies and jackie brown i like the least it's the one i watched the least yeah but and you could say you could say jackie brown doesn't have a lot of action in it and it's yeah. all just dialogue it's real talking and talk yeah but, but i think the older i get the more i like it yeah i i agree and there's there's a little aspects of, of everything that that you you get to see in in each movie yeah and i think um because like my wife and i have been going through all of his movies kind of leading up to hateful eight um i think i'm saving jackie brown for last um we've watched everything at this point except for django and jackie brown why does django keep on getting off your list what's wrong with you um i don't like that movie that much um and this actually i'm glad you brought that up it's uh it's something i wanted to touch on what happened is between inglorious bastards and django unchained um his the woman who edited every single one of his movies died um, Sally Menke edited everything from Reservoir Dogs up through Inglorious Bastards, and she died between Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained, and he edited Django Unchained. And the problem with Tarantino editing his own stuff is Tarantino, re- as much as I love him, he's an egotist, and he loves the sound of his own voice. And so that movie is two hours and 45 minutes long, and I remember being in the theater... And the movie, the way it was set up in the trailers was, if you help me kill these three brothers, I will help you find your wife. 
40 minutes into the movie, those three brothers get killed. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Does that mean there's two hours left of this movie where it's just going to be him finding his wife? And it was. <laughs> and so I was like, we're in trouble if Sally Mankey's gone. Because like he just... I think there's as much Ooh, as... Oh, wow, I, you're totally right. Yeah, as much as I love Tarantino's dialogue, I think he gets a little precious about it, and I think he gets a little like, look at me, look at how good I am at writing stuff. And I think Sally Mankey kind of kept him in check and, and like edited around that to where just like his stories could work. And because he was in charge of his own edit, it was just like, all of it's staying in, and it didn't need to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think that movie's about an hour too long. And then we've already mentioned this movie is... is uh... Three, three or four hours? Yeah, three hours, 12 minutes. Yeah, with an intermission. An overture and an intermission. That is crazy. Yeah. And I'm a little nervous about that, yeah. actually. If there's one like kind of hang-up I have, it's that. Uh, if you go see it, and, and that's the 70 millimeter Roadshow version right. is three hours and 12 minutes. If you go see it this weekend when it comes out in a regular theater, it's like two hours and 56 minutes. Which I'm going to do, and MJ's going to go see it in LA. Yeah, I so. think I'm going to make it to the 70 millimeter Roadshow. That's the plan. And I hope we, so. We can discuss the difference. Yeah, it's that. it's a little cut up. I'm actually interested to see what uh, you have to report from that and what, versus what I have to say, because he... He said that he, like... I mean, obviously, there's not an intermission. There's not an overture. Yeah. But also, he he cut some of the shots in the uh, digital version earlier than he did in the Roadshow version. So, oh, well, I, I'm interested to see if, like, really affects it. I yeah. doubt it will, just because I think Tarantino knows how a story works more than that. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the guy's just... Like we said, he's an artist. He's just... He's one of the the purest filmmakers around, I think. And I love that about him. I'm excited. Yep. All right. Anything else? Um, no. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back next week to talk about what we thought about the Hateful Eight. Luke dies at the end. Oh, no. Han dies at the end. Never yes. Mind. Yeah, he does. Yeah. At the end of Hateful Eight. They just shoot uh, 1800s Luke Skywalker in the face. Han Solo. Yeah. Never oh, mind. Yeah. Han, Sol- Han Solo shot first? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There we go. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, until next time, go watch a sad documentary. Bye. Do 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 do